0: the answer
1: it is every bit the bob france authority good morning thanks for joining us seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock we get you going on this tuesday the 17th morning of the 11th month of the year of our lord 2020 we have a lot to discuss today a lot of very important issues some of which we talk about on a fairly regular basis some are a little bit off the beaten path and i'm looking forward to discussing it all with you at 216 901-0945-888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers will get you here to me. I am also going to start promoting my social media account because I have broken away from Twitter, as you well know. I am using Facebook less and less, and I'm going to keep that account only to share family stories and family events and successes and greetings and such with people. I'm going to stop using that in any way, shape, or form uh, from a political standpoint. I'm still doing it now. Like I said, I'm weaning off of it because I have a massive audience there, so I still want to reach people, but Facebook and their censorship have driven me away from that part of their platform. Uh, Twitter, I'm gone completely from, but... There are alternatives. And if you are social media um, dependent, meaning you really, really need your social media and you use it to get your news, you use it to get valuable opinions from people you trust, maybe like me, I don't know, depends on your point of view. But if you are of a mind to use social media, there are alternatives that do not censor you if you show support for Donald Trump. That do not censor you if you show support for conservative values and pro-life causes. They do not censor you if you show support for, I don't know, straight white males, which are under attack right now in the United States of America in a very, very dangerous way. If you feel like you need to get social media and talk about those things, well, uh, and you don't want to have your thoughts censored, uh, follow me on Parler, which is P-A-R-L-E-R, Parler. That is the number one most downloaded app since the election. The most downloaded social media app? No. The most downloaded app, period, since the election. Conservatives are the same ones who are fleeing Fox and their sudden leftward turn the same ones who are fleeing twitter and facebook they're going to parlor and you're going to find all your favorite conservative friends over there both you know media figures like myself and also just you know everyday average americans we're just all there and we're talking to one another it now if you're a facebook user i'm just going to be honest with you here when i promote parlor by the way i'm not getting paid to do this at all this is just my personal feeling on this um it's not like Facebook. Parlor is much more closely akin to the Twitter model and the Twitter format than the Facebook format. So you're gonna to have to get used to that if you are a Facebook user and a Facebook light lover, you know, and if you've become used to that through the years. So Parlor is there and you can find me on Parlor at France Radio, F R A N T Z Radio. All one word, no spaces, no underscores, just like I used to use for the others. And um, you'll find me on Parler, and I hope you're there as well. And I will monitor it during the show. And, in fact, I will ask Marcy, our uh, producer, to monitor it during the show, too. And important comments that you may make to me on Parler, I will read on the radio. So I'm just replacing Twitter with Parler, just like so many millions of conservatives all over the country. And I'm just adding that as another way for you to participate in our program. All right. So Parler, find me at France Radio. All right, uh, coming up on the program today, we're going to talk at 9.35 with our friend Dr. John Davidson, university hospitals prof- or, uh, um, a physician and a professor as well at Case Western Reserve University. We're going to talk about the latest on the lockdowns, the latest on the COVID-19 lockdowns that are coming in the state of Ohio that have been announced in the state of Michigan, and they had a, that have been announced in California, have been announced in New York, have been announced in Washington. Some of the most repressive and oppressive... Um, attacks on our freedom that I have ever heard, ever heard in a free country such as this. I'll give you the details on those states as I can, and I'll look ahead to what most people are seeing coming down the line here from Mike DeWine as he blames everything on bars and restaurants and gyms and so forth. Uh, It is an absolute attack on our freedom. This isn't about the freedom to... Breathe clean air, which is what the masking nonsense, although that's part of it. It's just freedom, period. Do you know that in some states they are threatening to kidnap people and lock them up for the health of the general public? I'm not kidding. And we're going to talk to Dr. Davidson about that, too. My daughter goes to Hillsdale College up in Michigan. My daughter was diagnosed with the coronavirus a few weeks back. My daughter had to go into, as well as several of her sorority sisters and other friends, had to go into quarantine for the 14 days. My daughter did all of that. My daughter's fine now, but do you know that she relieved just received rather just a few days ago um, a letter from the local health department? The Community health agency up there in Hillsdale, who sent her a letter saying that we fully anticipate you will voluntarily protect others by complying with the prescribed instructions within this letter, yada, yada, yada. However, if you fail to take the actions prescribed in this warning notice, it's a warning. It's not a voluntary assistance letter, it's not a hey, we care. It's a warning. The BHSJ Community Health Agency shall petition the circuit court to seek an order to compel your compliance, which may result in you being taken into protective custody to protect the public's health. You will be taken into protective custody. You'll be arrested, you'll be kidnapped. Under the, in the world of Gretchen Whitmer, far-left, tyrannical dictator of the People's Republic of Michigan, you can be kidnapped by the state in order to protect other people. Um, yeah. A little closer to home, and I'm going to get into this with Dr. Davidson coming up at, uh, at uh, 935. A little closer to home. Maybe you saw this. Maybe you didn't. Hopefully you did in Akron, just to our south in Akron. Did you know that you can be fined for, for not wearing a mask in your own home if you have company from other homes, if you have visitors, even if they're family, if they don't live with you and they come to your house, you all must mask or you could be fined By the mayor, by the city council, by the thugs in charge of the city of Akron. Mayor Horrigan submitted legislation to prohibit large private gatherings and require face coverings at small private gatherings anywhere in the city of Akron. I shouldn't say that this is a lock yet. This came out yesterday, or at least that's when I found it. The mayor has submitted that legislation to the city council. Now, I don't know if they have actually acted on it yet, but this is what they wanted to do. If passed, the ordinance will take effect immediately and will be enforced by Summit County Public Health with support from the Akron Police Department. That's right. They expect cops to go, police, open up. How many people here live here? Four, I see six. Who are these other people? Um, Our neighbors and friends. Well, I don't see masks on your neighbors and friend. Here's a citation. They actually expect police to do that? The ordinance would limit private gatherings in Akron to no more than six guests in a home. Guests include anyone who does not permanently reside in the home, even family members who reside elsewhere. For small gatherings with six or fewer guests, masks must be worn at all times when a non-resident is in the same room or within six feet, unless an exception applies property owners and occupants that fail to enforce the requirements of the ordinance and host large gatherings could face a potential civil penalty penalty of $250. My friends, this is no longer about convenience and it's no longer about the economy and it's sure as hell is not about health. This is a flat out assault on Liberty. Your freedom to live in your home that you pay for and you pay taxes upon how you see fit. This is an attack on your freedom to live and breathe and move about and to go outdoors and to patronize businesses as you see fit. This nation was founded on the very idea of, that government shall not intrude upon all of our own personal liberties. It's why we left England for crying out loud. And now, in Democrat America, in in socialist-in-waiting America, liberal Democrat governors and mayors And rhino Democrats like Mike DeWine, they literally are casting aside that upon which this nation was founded. They're saying the government can and shall and must infringe upon your freedom, limit your comings and goings, limit your breathing. Because they say there's a health crisis. I have looked and I have searched and I have yet not found the line in the Constitution that says all of the rights enumerated herein are void in the event of a pandemic. I'm looking, I'm hunting, I'm searching and I'm coming up empty. I can't find anything that says this document shall be suspended in the event of a health emergency. As a matter of fact, I would dare say that in times of crisis and in times of emergency, the enumerated rights that our founding fathers gave us in the Constitution should be more evident and should be more relied upon, not less. We don't need them in times of peace and... I shouldn't say we don't need them. It's why we have peace and tranquility. But our liberties, when our liberties are not in jeopardy, the Constitution is just there for us as a backup. At times when our rights are in jeopardy, that's when the Constitution should most be followed. You can do this, but you can't do that to the population. You can do this, but you can't take that away from the individual. The people are the nation. The people are the living constitution, and they want to shred us as they would have you shred it. 888-281-1110. Yeah, we've got a lot to get into today, and I want to hear from you on this and more on the Bob France Authority. 1776 we thought it would last it is being that freedom is being taken from us uh little by little right now and millions and millions of americans are willingly going along with it scared frightened little children who have been told that the big bad boogie virus is coming to get you And the big bad boogie virus must be avoided at all costs. The big bad boogie virus, which manifests itself as essentially a cold, maybe the flu for a few days, and then goes away uh, with a whimper for, for, well, let's just say almost everybody. 99.9% of the general population which gets the big bad boogie virus recovers from it. It is lethal in an increasingly smaller, infinitesimal number of people. And yet we are being told that we have to give up our liberty in order to avoid the big bad boogie virus. What kinds of liberties are we giving up? Well, not enough attention, in my opinion, has been paid to the Great Barrington Declaration. And I'm going to share some of this with you. And we're going to talk to Dr. John Davidson about this and get his perspective on it coming up in about 10 minutes. But the Great Barrington uh, Declaration is, uh, was written by thousands and signed upon by thousands of infectious disease epidemiologists and public health scientists who collectively say we have great concerns about the damaging physical and mental health impacts of the prevailing COVID-19 policies and recommend an approach we call focused protection. The Great Barrington Declaration, as infectious disease epidemiologists, coming from both the left and the right and around the world, we have devoted our careers to protecting people. Current lockdown policies producing devastating effects on short and long-term public health. The results, to name a few, include lower childhood vaccination rates, worsening cardiovascular disease outcomes, fewer cancer screenings, deteriorating mental health, leading to greater excess mortality in years to come. With the working class and younger members of society carrying the heaviest burden, keeping students out of school is a grave injustice. Keeping these measures in place until a vaccine is available will cause irreparable damage and the underprivileged disproportionately harmed. Fortunately, our understanding of the, of the virus is growing. Now, this, by the way, was written last month, so it's not old. This is new. We know that the vulnerability to death from COVID-19 is more than a thousandfold higher in the old and infirm than in the young. Indeed, for children, COVID-19 is less dangerous than many other harms, including influenza. As immunity builds in the population, the risk of infection to all, including the vulnerable, falls. We know that all populations will eventually reach herd immunity, i.e. the point at which the rate of new infections is stable, and that this can be assisted by, but is not dependent upon, a vaccine. Our goal should therefore be to minimize mortality and social harm until we reach herd immunity. The most compassionate approach that balances the risks and benefits of reaching herd immunity is to allow those who are at minimal risk of death to live their lives normally to build up immunity to the virus through natural infection while better protecting those who are at the highest risk. We call this focused protection. Adopting measures to protect the vulnerable should be the central aim of public health responses to COVID-19. By way of example, nursing homes should use staff with acquired immunity and perform frequent PCR testing of other staff and all visitors. Staff rotation should be minimized. Retired people living at home should have groceries and other essentials delivered to their homes. When possible, they should meet family members outside rather than inside. A comprehensive and detailed list of measures, including approaches to multi-generational households, can be implemented and is well within the scope and capability of public health professionals. Those who are not vulnerable should immediately be allowed to resume life as normal. Simple hygiene measures, such as hand-washing and staying home when sick, should be practiced by everyone to reduce herd immunity threshold. That's simple, right? That's fine. Nobody has a problem with hand-washing. Sorry, I don't mean to editorialize. Let me just finish the declaration. Schools and universities should be open for in-person teaching. Extracurricular activities, such as sports, should be resumed. Young, low-risk adults should work normally rather than from home. Restaurants and other businesses should remain open. Arts, music, sport, and other cultural activities should resume. People who are more at risk may participate if they wish, while society as a whole enjoys the protection conferred upon the vulnerable by those who have built up herd immunity. This declaration was authored and signed in Great Barrington, United States, on October 4th. Like I said, it's a month old. And it has been co-signed by over 34,000, 34,000 medical practitioners, over 12,000 medical and public health scientists, and 629,000 concerned citizens. This should be the message. This should be the mandate, quite frankly, by which we operate, rather than having our liberties just stripped from us. We'll talk about it with Dr. Davidson next, AM 1420, The Answer.
0: Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer.
1: Yeah, you better believe it. It's 936. Did you hear the uh, newscast just now at the bottom of the hour? The uh, story about Mike DeWine saying he's looking for ways to not have to uh, lock down the state of Ohio again the way he did back in March. And he's visiting people in Indiana and Kentucky and border states to find out what he can do to just slow down the spread of the virus and not lock down uh, or shut down the state of Ohio. Um, I don't know how stupid he really thinks we are. Slow down means he's going to do it in phased increments. He's going to, tomorrow or Thursday, he will announce the shutdown of the gyms and the restaurants and the bars, which he told us a week ago he would do. That'll be, see, it's not a complete lockdown. It's just them. And then a week later, it's going to be somebody else. And a week later, it's going to be somebody else. And a week later, it's going to be, hey, shelter in place. Stay under lock and key, prisoners. That's coming because I and I know this because it's already being implemented in other states, states to which Mike DeWine has looked, I think, in the past, or at least they have collaborated. Talking about Michigan, talking about Washington State, talking about New York and California as well. Let's bring in a medical expert to talk about this. Dr. John Davidson is back with us. Dr. Davidson is a, a professor of medicine at Case Western Reserve University, and he practices at University Hospitals in Cleveland. Dr. Davidson, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm good, Dr. Davidson. We're going to talk about uh, lockdown possibilities and educational uh, impacts, especially if he does something to schools and sports again, which I think almost everybody expects. But let's start um, with just the spread. To what do you attribute the uh, spike in cases that we have seen over the last month or so that is leading across the country so many um, most of them liberal democrat governors in our case it's a liberal republican governor but it is leading so many to uh, reenact these these uh, terrible tyrannical uh, lockdowns that they did back in the spring is it just seasonal is it weather impacted what do you think it is
2: well i think it's absolutely seasonal and it's absolutely weather impacted there's no question we're starting to see spikes now because people are more indoors especially up in the northern parts of the country, for example. Bob, if you start looking at Florida's numbers, for example, their numbers are doing pretty darn good right now. Now, we can argue about why they're doing better than us right now, but there's no question that people are now indoors more, spending lots of more time indoors as the weather gets colder, and it's just a hard time. The, The virus just kind of thrives in that kind of indoor, you know, low air circulation environment. So we're seeing spikes. It shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Despite the fact that we do, we are wearing masks, numbers are going up, period.
1: Um, not only despite the fact that we're wearing masks, they're going up. I would suggest to you, and we'll discuss this in a moment, that because of masks, they are going up. But let's talk about the fact that the weather change, which normally leads to an increase in flu. You know, this is called the flu season for a reason. And influenza cases are down sharply. Do you think that cases of flu are being misdiagnosed in some cases as COVID, or, and if not, if the flu really is taking a dive here and is not expanding at the way it normally does in this time of the year in this weather change during flu season, tell me why influenza is down and COVID is up.
2: Well, I think that that, that answer is complex, and I think it's multifactorial. I can tell you, number one, many people or most people are wearing masks. A lot of people are ma- wearing masks. So that's gonna decrease the incidence, certainly of the flu, number one. Number two, people aren't getting tested for influenza as much as they normally would, okay? And a lot of this is anecdotal, but I think this has been studied as well. If you or I or somebody develops symptoms that are very uh, similar to the flu or COVID, because there's a lot of overlap there, as we know, you're gonna go ahead and get a COVID test first. If that COVID test comes back negative, Most people then do not go on and get a flu test. So I think that there is some flu out there. I think we're just not capturing it. But there's no question the flu numbers are very, very, very down right now. On top of that, we're doing a very aggressive flu vaccination campaign as well. Um, and, And especially now with COVID, we are driving home the point that it is very important to get vaccinated for the flu. Absolutely.
1: What, what message do you have for people who have already had COVID uh, and, and recovered from it is 99.9% according to CDC of people in the general population. That is not in the uh, uh, senior population with comorbidity range. They're around 95.5% according to CDC. But um, if people have had COVID and recovered from it, uh, I, I have heard, and tell me if I've maybe misunderstood this, that they should not get a flu vaccine. It's going to make them very sick.
2: Um, I have not heard that. I think people should still get a flu vaccine regardless, number one. And, Bob, I'm going to push back a little bit on the on the 99.9% survivability rate. There's no question that number is accurate. But here's the issue. We don't know. Just because there's a very, very small percentage of people that are that are dying from this, we all agree on those numbers. The numbers, as bad as they are, is a very small percentage. We still do not know the long-term effects of this virus. People get it. People. We're seeing cardiac side effects. We're seeing our athletes, our professional athletes, our college athletes getting enrolled in mandatory cardiac registries to monitor them for heart issues. There's all kinds of manifestations of this virus that we truly do not understand yet. So I would take pause when we emphasize the fact that so many people are surviving this virus. Yes, it's true. They're not dying from it. But we do not know the long-term effects. And I don't want to scare anybody. But I also want to pause and take note of that.
1: Well, one of the, one of the long-term effects we have found through other viruses and, uh, including other epidemics or pandemics is the fact that we get stronger because of it, because of the antibody buildup, right? When you, when you, uh, when you, uh, are infected by one of these things, generally speaking, you, the long-term effect is the next time there's one of those that comes around or something similar to a coronavirus, you are going to be much more likely to be immune from it in the long term, correct?
2: That's true for most viruses and most diseases, but we don't know that that's the case for this virus yet. For one thing, we don't know how long the the immunity you're going to have is conferred. Some people say it could be as little as three months. It could be six months. And then we don't know how strong that level of immunity is going to be to this virus. The problem is these are coronaviruses. Coronaviruses are a much different family than influenza, than strep, than any bacteria, or other viruses that are very common. That's why we get a cold every year. That's why we can get a cold twice a year. They're very different. They mutate a lot, which is another detail that we can't overlook. So immunity, and especially when you start talking about herd immunity, it, I have to caution that with this particular virus. We don't know how much immunity you or I are going to get once we have this virus. And then if you start translating that to the population, even when you want to start to get to herd immunity levels, you're talking 60 to 70. Some people say 75% of the population have to be infected.
1: I uh, Before you came on, Dr. Davidson, uh, prior to the bottom of the hour news, I read the Great Barrington Declaration to uh, to the audience. Um, what is your opinion of this declaration that has been written and signed by over 34,600 medical practitioners, 12,000 medical and public health scientists as well, and uh, they, it was written specifically by epidemiologists and infectious disease specialists who say, we absolutely are approaching this the wrong way. We do not, in fact, should not be locking people up that we do need to allow people who are in the general health, generally healthy portion of the population, that 99.9 thing we talked about, we need to allow them to achieve herd immunity. As a matter of fact, it's, if we don't do that, we are going to cause a much, much greater loss of life than if we do.
2: So a couple facets to that question. I strongly disagree with the premise that we should be trying to achieve herd immunity by naturally infecting the population with this virus. Herd immunity traditionally has always been talked about in the context of a vaccine. You want a controlled vaccine that can vaccinate a vast majority of the population in a very controlled and safe environment, number one. Number two, if you really want it, like I just said before, we're not even sure how much immunity this virus is going to confer down the road, how long it's going to last or how much immunity it's going to to confer at all. Let's say it, but let's propose that it does give you long-lasting immunity. Go back to 1918. I mean, it's over 100 years ago, but it took about two and a half years for that virus to run its course, about four or five different waves, and it killed a lot of people. Now, uh, obviously, we have much better medical advances than we did in 1918, but it's just not. It's a very um, the, the idea that we're going to achieve herd immunity by naturally infecting the population with this virus is just a false premise. Period.
1: Um, so it's 34,000 doctors you say are wrong. Well,
2: I'm not saying 34,000 doctors are wrong. I could tell you.
1: 34,000 co-signers. Look,
2: Doctors have to, to the Great reasons.
1: Barrington declaration I mean.
2: Doctor, yeah. well there's been a, there's also been a rebuke of that Great Barrington uh, declaration that was actually published in the Lancet as well. So there's different viewpoints sure. and they pushed back exactly.
1: on it. Exactly. Exactly, and that's for that's what's so frustrating Dr. Davidson. I listened to a Joe Biden say, we have to listen to the scientists, listen to the doctors. They only listen to the doctors that they want to. They have effectively cast these 34,000 doctors to the wind and saying, yeah, they don't know what they're doing. Their, their, their medical degrees don't count. It's only, you know, the Faucis of the world who say lock the world down uh, that count. That's what's very frustrating. Where are you on the lockdowns that are going on now in several states? And I guess we're going to learn <clears throat> about the slash slowdown into shutdown in the state. Of of Ohio that DeWine has planned for us very very shortly I, I, do you agree with that
2: so number one I, I getting back to the Great Barrington Declaration I, I didn't hear the term 34,000 that may be true I don't know
1: I can't well, comment it's on it's, who... it's on it's on the page it's it's okay. on the great declaration yeah the GBD okay. declaration page and it so, shows the current signature count
2: so getting the lockdowns I think we can agree I think both you and I and, and anyone in your audience can agree that if we shut everything down, we're going to mitigate this virus, okay? There's no question. The problem is shutdowns cause other problems, as you have, used, as you have effectively pointed out multiple times. Mm-hmm. There's no question. My kids, I have kids that are out of school right now. It's hurting them. Organized sports, it hurts. We're missing social interaction. There's a lot of downsides for doing what we're doing. We have to, Bob, we have to, as a society, reach a balance between what Governor Whitmer in Michigan is doing and what um, Governor DeSantis wants to do in Florida. We have to reach that balance between just throwing caution to the wind and complete lockdowns. And one of the ways we can mitigate that, and we've argued about this in the past, is by wearing a mask. Oh, okay. Boy. Uh, we can discuss this all you want, but a
1: mask- Well, well, well you, you already defeated yourself on this issue, Doctor Davidson, about three and a, three or four minutes ago, when I asked you why the flu was down this year and COVID is spiking, and you said the flu is down because so many people are wearing masks, which proves that the masks may indeed keep influenza virus particles out. It does not keep COVID particles out. If if, if the the masking is is being done and flu is down, but coronavirus is up, how can you reach any other conclusion?
2: Because I'll tell you how you can reach that conclusion. Any barrier between your face and mouth and nose is going to decrease transmission. No one, or at least I would hope, no medical expert is going to tell you, Bob, that a mask is going to prevent me from transmitting it to you. But number one, there has been science. There's science coming out every day showing that if you're masked and I'm masked, and one of us has it, the chance of me giving that virus to you is is decreased tremendously. And
1: why are There's... the coronavirus cases spiking? If people, die, and, well, and Mike I... DeWine, by the way, said uh, 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 two weeks ago. That, that he was proud of Ohioans because between 85 and 95% of Ohioans are following the mask mandate. Now, you got 11 million people in Ohio, right? Try to get 85 to 95% of of, of 11 million people to do anything. It's impossible. But, but they're doing it. And he was proud of that. And yet, despite that massive masking, which is your panacea, the cases are spiking. Clearly, by that very definition, the masking isn't working. And the primary reason, in my opinion, Dr. D, and I'll give you the last word on it, is because the masking isn't, you know, they're not all N95 masks with this protection fitted properly. They're just telling everybody a face covering. I could wear a napkin over my face and they'll say, "You're good to go. Come on in. You're wearing a face covering." So many of these thin cloths that these masks are made of or bandanas or whatever are literally useless. And so this masking mandate is is like I said, the numbers are what the numbers are. They're spiking despite 85 to 95% of the people wearing the masks. I'll give you the- last word
2: all right you got to give me the last word on this so the mat the the numbers are going to spike regardless i mean i guess that was my point just because of colder weather people being indoors most of the time the reason why we're seeing a lot of spikes right now epidemiologically and this has been proven is because of gatherings parties parties in people's homes of 20 maybe 25 people not even 20 maybe 10 to 15 people that haven't seen somebody for a while they come over People are not wearing masks indoors in social gatherings. That's a fact. And that's where a lot of these cases are being contact traced to happen. I can quote you. You can quote me some countries across the world where mask mandates were placed and the, and the numbers went up. I can quote you some states in this country. North Dakota is an example that that failed to have a mask mandate until very late on in this process. And their numbers Spiked incredibly until that mask mandate was put in place. Now, I'm not here to argue about whether our government should mandate masks because I think maybe you know how I feel about that. But I think that we need to encourage people to wear them. I don't think our government should never. be necessary. I'll never
1: do that. I'll never do that. I well, think that it's counterproductive. It is negative. It's anti science. It is anti science. You're using you're using um, you know the eye test. You're saying, well, it just makes sense to me that if I uh, wear a mask and you wear a mask, our particles won't go toward one another. It it science does not say that. I've got a I've got a dozen studies here from around the globe. From Japan to Germany to England. Uh, I, they're all over the place where they have done index Depth, lengthy, large-scale studies that have said masks uh, masks are not st- uh, cutting down on viral transmissions.
2: And all I can say is, look at North Dakota, look at the U.S. Theodore Roosevelt, where they studied this on U.S. servicemen that had the disease early on. Look at those studies too. Keep an open mind. It's a I way will, to I will,
1: I will. But like way. I said, my um, open mind, my um, open mind sees a, a record number of cases in the state um, of Ohio, despite quote eighty-five to ninety-five percent of the population wearing masks. I, I think I've got most of the answers that I, I need there, Doctor D.
2: And I totally understand that, but if you don't want these lockdowns, we're gonna have to mitigate it somehow until we have an effective vaccine. And that's my point. Wear the mask.
1: And by the way, are you gonna are you gonna promote the vaccine?
2: Absolutely.
1: Okay, Absolutely. now I'm gonna I'm gonna get you here again, or at least Absolutely. we're gonna disagree here. You said that you said that the herd immunity can't be trusted because we don't know what the long term effects of the virus is gonna be. And yet we don't know what the long term effects of this vaccine is gonna be, do we? I
2: said herd immunity and with with everybody getting naturally exposed in the setting right. of a vaccine it's a little bit different.
1: We can talk No about no 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 but I mean no but your point though about herd immunity, you said look, you know, there's no real idea of or way of knowing. You mentioned the two and a half years nineteen eighteen. There's no idea of knowing exactly what kind of long term impacts getting the virus will, will will have on us. But we also don't know what the long term, two years, five years down the road of a virus, an untested virus is gonna have on us too. A vaccine, and we a never. Vaccine. Will. Excuse me, and you're you. right.
2: You're right. Good talking to you, Bob.
1: Always a pleasure, Doctor D. We'll do this again. Thank you so much. It's sure. nine fifty-three. That's Doctor John Davidson from University Hospital, Case Western Reserve. We always have speeder spirited conversations about this, and we'll be right back. Okay, here's a, here's a really great way to kind of summarize what my point was with Dr. Davidson. And I give credit to an attribution here to Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh tweeted this yesterday, and I think it's exactly right. The masks work doctrine, that's in quotes, masks work. The masks work doctrine is unfalsifiable. If cases go down, it proves that they work. If cases go up, it proves we need to wear them even more often that's that's the end they have literally nothing can be considered evidence against masks, and that should tell you something that should tell you something about the reason for the mask orders and the mask idolatry it, it, They have set it up so that they can never be wrong. If you wear a mask and cases go down, they say, see it worked. If you wear a mask and cases go up, it's not that it doesn't work it's hey you're not wearing enough're wearing it often enough in enough places. Got to wear it in your house now. Literally in Akron, that's what they're telling you. Wear it in your house. <laughs> They've set it up. They've rigged the game so that they can't lose it, the mask uh, pushers. And it's just trash, all of it. Study after study after study after study. Internationally, domestically, it's just proven. And for me, proof is in the pudding. For, for six months, we've had Governor DeWine's mask mandate. He praised us for following it so diligently, 85 to 95% of the time. And cases are skyrocketing. You can't debate that. You can't dispute that. You can't argue that. You can't dismiss that. Masks don't work. It's a show. It's a show. They're putting on a show. That's it. Mike DeWine even said it two weeks or a week ago when he ma- made his announcement. He said it would be irresponsible for us to do nothing, so we have to do something. Even if that something doesn't work, the people are demanding that we do something. So we say wear a mask. That's all they've got. There's it's a show. It's a show. Canon Parma, you're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, I can go ahead. Yeah, hi Bob, how you doing? Um, Good sir, so, what's up?
2: Er- early early on when I was a kid during Healthcast class in biology i always learned that in order to get over a virus or to build up your immune system you have to get the virus and then you get over it then you build up your immunity to that virus now they're telling everyone oh they need to stay at home to mitigate the virus well then how's anybody going to get it and plus with the mask everyone's forgetting that the mask doesn't cover the eyes the eyes have a mucous membrane they're wet that's how it can attract all the virus and whatever else. That's why they tell you, don't Quiet. rub your eyes.
1: Quiet. Don't you know but they're going to mandate goggles over. next? <laughs> yeah, don't tell them that, Ken. They're going to tell us to wear goggles next, too. Right, exactly. Masks. Thanks for the call, my friend. Thank, thank you, Ken. I appreciate it. It's 10 o'clock. Sorry if you're on hold. Stay there. But I've got to get to Cursin now. next. AM 1420, The Answer.